the failure to act with sufficient ambition to avert the climate catastrophe will be the greatest moral failure of our time. Making changes takes courage, and if we don't change things, we won't have a future. I'm an environmentalist. A lot of people don't understand that. I think I know more about the environment than most people. You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. Change is coming, whether you like it or not. Zero Carbon East Off. Hello and welcome to Zero Carbonista. This is Series 2, The Manifesto. I'm Ian Collins. And if you're joining us for the first time, welcome to one of the only podcasts out there that talks candidly about the latest environmental issues. You haven't got to delve through many pages of newsprint to see the growing and emerging dominance of the green agenda. It is everywhere. A brief explainer about the backbone of this podcast. The series mostly follows the views, campaigns and ideas of Dale Vince, the entrepreneur and environmentalist. He built his success in the green energy sector. He's the owner of Ecotricity, the world's first green energy company, and he also happens to be the chairman of Forest Green Rovers. On each episode, we bring you the biggest agenda on the planet right now, the environment and climate change. Lots to wade through, Dale. Morning, by the way. Yeah, morning, Ian. How's things? It's good. Um, I, I don't want to ruin the morning in any way, but I thought we should start with this. I'm against nuclear power because I care about my children. But maybe then I should be for it, because they'll need energy too, and fossil fuels in 50 years' time, there won't be any left. There are renewable energies, but will that be enough? In the meantime, with them, there's no waste, but nuclear power. That said, the quantity of really radioactive waste isn't that big, a thimble per year per person. Multiplied by the number of people, that's a pretty big thimble. There are solutions, although storing them... But at least then we know where they are, because the CO2 produced by oil and coal, hello, greenhouse effect. On the other hand, there's the risk with the power plants, although in matters of safety, there's no place more safe. In the end, nuclear energy is a source of problems, and at the same time, it's a source of solutions. And you, are you for or against nuclear energy? Or don't you use electricity? There's a sizable uh, group still hanging on to that being the future, though. Yeah, and it's something that's come up, uh, I would say, in the last week in quite a few conversations that I've been having. Obviously, it's been in the news. It was uh, one part of Boris Johnson's 10-pointless plan, wasn't it, to <laughs> lob another $500 million at nuclear research, funnily enough, to see if we can yeah. do it better. Um, and Is that the same question they're asking that you could have answered 10 years ago? That yeah, one? I think, I think yeah. we did answer it 10 years ago, actually. <laughs> uh, all of us. I mean, you know, science answered the question. Economics yeah. answered the question. He hasn't turned down uh, Sizewell, isn't it? He hasn't turned down Sizewell C yet. Um, and, yeah. and obviously people down there are kind of waiting for that decision, still fighting it. He said it'll be judged instead on its economic value. Well, if that's the case, then, I mean, pull the plug now because, yeah. you know, we know that's... That, that's toast. And there's a fabulous story I saw today in The Guardian. It's a report by some powerful, uh, that sounds like a wrong thing to say, Public Accounts Committee. I was going to say powerful group of MPs, but it's the Public yeah. Accounts Committee who have some clout. They've looked into the Nuclear Decommissioning Authority and they've described a perpetual lack of knowledge about the state and location it's, it's astonishing. of waste. It's astonishing. And, and, uh, and they say it results from a, a decade of poor record keeping and weak government oversight combined with a sorry saga of incompetence and failure, leaving taxpayers free 
footing astronomical sums of money wow. as a consequence. And I mean, oh my God, it doesn't get more damning than that. And they reckon the total cost now to decommission about 10 civil nuclear sites that, you know, they've been yeah. going on since just after the war, 132 billion pounds and rising. And the job won't be completed for 120 years. So when somebody says nuclear power is safe and economic and, you know, part of the future, you, you know, I mean, my, my jaw drops. I think, well, what planet are you living on? Because Hinkley, which is being built now, is the most expensive electricity project ever built. The electricity is going to cost twice the cost of the current market price. And none of that includes the decommissioning, which we can see is being handled badly, costs an awful lot of money and lasts forever. You say 10 years. Let's just, let me just see who's been in power for the last 10 years. Let me just check my, <laughs> yeah. my chronology notes. Oh, yeah, it's the, the same people. Um, what's interesting, it, by the way, the Public Accounts Committee, this is an anorak point, is my favorite committee huh? uh, because these guys really do uh, some pretty good work there. Uh, yeah. And when you think, you know, there isn't um, anybody overseeing or, 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 or commenting or calling uh, the executive to account. Mm-hmm. Actually, these guys uh, have used to be pretty good. And I thought what was terrifying about this is that the lack of knowledge they have about the state of nuclear waste and even where it is. That's right. That's what it says. I mean, I thought, hang on a second. I've read this wrong. So I went back and reread <laughs> a, a perpetual lack of knowledge about the state and location right. of nuclear waste on the 17 sites it's responsible for making safe. Yep. It comes under the title, You Had One Job. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, it's madness. Harry, what did you do with the waste? Well, I think I put it over, uh, was it that field or that it's Somewhere around here. I mean, this is bad, Dale. Oh, yeah. But wait until these guys, the Public Accounts Committee, get their teeth into government spending in the pandemic, the PPE contract scandals, the VIP route for, uh, you know, awarding chums of the Tory party, these enormous contracts. I mean, there's a guy in Stroud, Tory councillor, his business was loss making, and he was a friend of our new local MP. He got awarded a contract for a quarter of a billion pounds worth of PPE. Wow. Oh, my God. He went out and bought himself a mansion. Yeah, and, as you do. Yeah, and started paying himself 400 grand a year instead of 25 grand a year. This as is you all, do, yeah. As you do. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, normal. And, but there's nothing, there's nothing wrong going on here, guys. They, they tell us. Wait till the PAC get their teeth into this kind of yeah. stuff. I, it's interesting because I, I was looking at somebody, had, uh, one of the many journalists had, had kind of drawn up a, a kind of PowerPoint presentation about these contracts and, and who got it and who's connected to who. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't know what it was and you looked at it, you'd say, oh, that's Boris Johnson's family tree. <laughs> and when you think there's the brother-in-law, there's the cousin, there's the guy he went to school with, yeah. man alive. I yeah. mean, this isn't done covertly this, is, no. this was done in broad daylight yeah in, in a very trumpian way like they don't really give a shit whether he think it's wrong or not uh, well that's was, the that's the sense isn't it it is a hancock yesterday wasn't it um a picture of him with his local publican from a couple of years ago turns out the guy landed himself another one of these fat ppe contracts uh, having run a business that had nothing to do with uh, medical supplies i think he was making yeah. takeaway cartons or something and he whatsapped matt hancock and said hey can i I get in on the act and next thing you know he's in on the hey, act hancock reminds me of this guy thank you so much for coming no not at all uh, absolute pleasure um what is it exactly a scoffing competition <laughs> the starving 
in Africa. Long way for them to come just for lunch. <laughs> Yeah, you can just sort of imagine Hancock turning up at a pub uh, and meeting jolly nice chap I bumped into at the weekend, gave him a bit of a contract. Yeah. Uh, it's it, it, it kind of, it, it's not over cynical to, to wonder if this is how things are working. No, it's awful. And, and uh, I don't know if you saw, but um, our friends at the Good Law Project, they exposed last week, I think it yeah. was, uh, the, an actual VIP channel for bidders for government contracts that were known to the Conservative Party so they could be nominated for this procurement VIP channel by an MP or a cabinet minister or, or anything like that, really. And they had a 10 times greater chance of winning these VIP bidders, and they were allowed to charge 25% more than everybody else without question. Absolutely incredible. So all you had to do, Dale, is... You know, a, a couple of years ago, is to have joined the Tory party, and then all your planning permission hurdles <laughs> would have just let it gone through easily. There was a Tory minister that even said, in the wake of the Robert Jenrick scandal, where he sat next to the property developer that tried to avoid thirty million pound. Uh, planning fee uh, and helped him do that. He, he, this minister said, "Well, I mean, that's how planning works. You know, go to a go to a fundraiser. <laughs> that's like go my to a god. fundraiser. Oh my god, yeah, <laughs> yeah. just to wine and dine." Yeah, I mean, but Trump's not here anymore. I do think it's very much a Trumpian outlook on the world. They've seen what he gets away with over there. It's completely outrageous and in your face, yeah. and they've been doing it here, but. I think the times they are are changing because we've got, but the grown-ups are back in control of the White House now, and and I think that's going to change the tone of our government. We're seeing that already. I think you know Cummings leaving Number Ten was linked to that actually, and we'll see a different approach to the EU and to the uh, Good Friday Peace Agreement, and we we'll see a different approach to government. I think from yeah. from this government because they don't have you know that idiotic psychotic friend in the White House that. Uh, uh, yeah. also acted as a human shield because however bad they were here, uh, he was 10 times worse. And it could, a lot of it, in terms of the kind of stuff that you followed, El, could rest on this man. Mr. President-elect, you've put forward a bold, transformative climate plan, but you've also underscored that no country alone can solve this challenge. To end this crisis, the whole world must come together. So John Kerry's been given clearly a big gig uh, as the, uh, the the kind of climate czar in the Biden administration. Is that is that welcome news? Yeah, I think it's brilliant. I mean, again, he's another grown up. I mean, we've been missing them, haven't we, <laughs> from from American politics? But uh, I think it's fantastic. And somebody I know knows somebody that he knows, and uh, we've sent him a book. That's going to be quite interesting to see if yeah. uh, if he finds something in there that he likes. But uh, you know. From here on in, I think it's all going to be good news coming out of America. Here's a question from Tim. Uh, he sent this via uh, zerocarbonista.com. Uh, got any more guests for live streams coming up, Dale? I enjoyed you and Ian, by the way, despite the technical issues. <laughs> yeah, yeah, what's interesting about the technical issues is that you and I were completely unaware of them. as they had. So we're just carrying on talking yeah. and chatting and riffing on a whole variety of subjects. And apparently it's a big chunk where nobody could hear us. Yeah, and that keeps happening. And it's happening our end. I think it's happening particularly my end because Wheel sits just across the way from me and we did a live event with Chris Packham this week and um, I, I had a technical problem Will didn't and we think it's yeah. my computer so we're going to swap that out now and hopefully solve yeah. it. Uh, but we haven't got any live uh, guests lined up right now but we're planning to do some more because actually 
uh, on the one hand, we're really enjoying it. And we can see that there's a lot of engagement for it. And it, yep. it just seems to be a great thing to do. You know, so it's kind of, uh, it's something that uh, the internet allows, isn't it? Like a democratization of, of this kind of uh, couldn't event. Have, couldn't have know? dreamt of it, uh, you know, just a few years ago that you, you could do that and bypass all the usual. You know, once upon a time, you had to have hired a television studio. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just sit on your couch <laughs> and make television. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just, just extraordinary times. Um, here's a question from Cass via Twitter: Are you still signing copies of your book? There's the bugle. It's stuck in my mind now. That bugle. Yeah, indeed. Uh, yeah, absolutely, Cass. I'm, um, uh, I was signing some just before I began this recording. I'll be signing some more when I get off, and um, yeah, I'm just going to keep signing. Okay. Um, here's another story. Rain in advertising to help tackle climate crisis, according to a report. Advertising needs to be controlled and changed to reduce its impact on the climate, according to a report released as consumers prepare to spend billions on Black Friday. What are you making of this? Well, yeah, I can understand it to a degree, actually, because constantly advertising stuff to encourage people to buy stuff is really at the root of overconsumption, isn't it? Mm. Uh, we need to be a bit more responsible. And it, it kind of does start with advertising. I mean, for example, not advertising junk food to kids, you know, seems like a blatantly uh, obvious thing to do, but it, it takes regulation to make sure that doesn't happen. It takes a meeting to work that. You wouldn't think, you know, <laughs> if somebody said, can we have a meeting to decide whether we advertise junk food to kids? Yeah. So wouldn't the response be, we don't need a meeting? The answer is no, you halfwit. You'd think, you would think. But then, you know, these these companies are driven by uh, by money, by pursuit of profit. Yeah, which is something I get into in the book. You know, I think when when you do that, when you do pursue money only above everything else, then you make bad decisions. And advertising junk food to kids is just a classic one of those. Well, let's just merge a kind of story here um, and, and look at the owner of Amazon. Here's a bit of cognitive dissonance for us. Uh, Jeff Bezos on Monday announced. 16 environmental organizations that will receive 791 million pounds as the first round of grantees for his 10 billion Bezos Earth Fund. Uh, so here's a guy that's the king of the consumers. Uh, th this guy's taking it to places nobody ever thought possible. Richest man in the world, but 10 billion dollars uh, going into environmental causes. How do we square this one? They've had a massive uh, spike in business and profitability through the pandemic, of course. A lot of people buying online. Um, and, the, I mean, the business model is almost unprecedented, isn't it? As, as you say, yeah. it's, it's gone places we never thought possible. Uh, 10 billion is, on the one hand, a shed load of money. It is, on the other hand, a drop in the ocean for that guy. And I can't help but think it would be nice if he just treated his staff fairly you know, pay them decently, uh, allowed them toilet breaks, you know, stuff like that. It's hard to square that philanthropy, that, that overt philanthropy with the, um, the yeah. business model that's created the wealth that's now being shared. I saw that, that also this week that they were giving bonuses to, to full and part-time staff, which worked out at about, three, I think it was something like 250, 300 quid uh, each. Now, if you're on minimum wage and you're working in one of his warehouses and it's back-breaking, mind-numbing work, um, 300 quid is probably double your your wage, and that's very welcome. But there was part of me that thought, well, 
why not three grand? <laughs> why, why not just go as a one-off Christmas bonus? Here's three thousand quid to everybody. Yeah, and of course they're tax dodgers. Let's not forget that they have this enormous turnover in our country. They suck an awful lot of money out of our economy, and they don't pay tax on it. But they pay all their legal tax. We have to say legal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all the yeah, or whatever. Um, yeah. But you know what I'm saying. I mean, it's all done through offshore uh, locations and and all this kind of stuff. I mean, they they are definitely a big part of what's killing the high street because they have this unfair advantage. And you know, yeah. it's one of the things that I think has to be better regulated. As you say, retail has gone with Amazon to places we never imagined possible, but the whole digital sure. economy has done that. You know, the digital yeah. giants of Facebook, Google, Amazon, mm-hmm. you know, they've they've usurped international order, really. Uh, you know, they're, they're transnational entities that, you know, play fast and loose with locations and tax jurisdictions in, in order to avoid paying their dues. And that's not the way it's meant to work. You know, if you, if you play in our economy, if you're part of our economy, then you should pay your tax in our economy uh, on that basis. Otherwise, you're taking something for nothing. You're taking the benefit of our economy, you know, the, the training, the jobs, the skills, the money that people have to spend on things. You take the benefit from that and you don't contribute to the maintenance of that. A couple more questions uh, just to round things off. Uh, Jamie on Facebook says, what's your favorite vegan Christmas treat? Is it sprouts? <laughs> Do you know what? I love sprouts. I had sprouts yesterday. Did you? Uh, absolutely. And I said to my boy, Rui, I said, I'm like sprouts. I love them. And he's like, oh my God, I can't believe you're saying that. And, yeah. and I just eat it's sprouts. It's a bit weird, Dale, I have to say. <laughs> but you know, I was thinking at the time as well, uh, as if I was having this conversation with somebody, uh, what I don't mean is those kind of, you know, overcooked sprouts or any kind of vegetable vegetable that was boiled to death traditionally, you know, and just kind of was very much a side thought to a main dish. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, you got your... Well, yeah, my, my mum had a PhD in, in that over-boiling <laughs> stuff. Yeah. What was the deal there? Was that a generational thing? Post-war, people thought, I don't want to get poisoned. I might as well just boil the freaking life out of this thing. I, I, and I think it they doesn't were, matter what the veg was. No, I think that it's because they were almost literally a, a kind of side thought. You know, the, the main dish yeah, had yeah. all the attention and everything else could just boil until yeah. it was definitely cooked. And dead as well. For <laughs> well dead. <laughs> Completely. And this from Ben on Facebook. Uh, does the news this week mean that you can start building onshore windmills again? What's he referring to here, Yeah, some kind of um, announcement linked to the 10 pointless plan. It wasn't one of the 10, um, but it's not any less pointless, in my opinion, which is that uh, onshore wind can take part in financial support schemes okay. uh, again, but not until the end of next year, uh, because look, there's no hurry, guys, obviously. And, <laughs> Just, yeah. Yeah. and only only under certain very tightly controlled circumstances where you've got uh, basically local community buy-in and, and it becomes a community scheme funded by local people. Uh, because um, wind energy is is really apparently a special case, and it should only go ahead when when it goes ahead in the hands of local people. And I've got no objection to it going ahead in that way. I just wonder why those special rules only apply to wind energy. Yeah, and not near a Tory MP's house. I think that's the other uh, 
uh, the other regulation that stipulated <laughs> that. Dale, we will speak in a week. Brilliant. That's it for this episode. Don't forget you can subscribe for free from your podcast provider so that you get each new episode automatically. Uh, do make sure you leave a review there too. And if you want to get in touch, you can email your comments as well to zerocarbonista at ecotricity.co.uk. Really important bit here. Uh, do make sure you follow Dale on social media, twitter.com slash dalevince or facebook.com slash dalevince. Zero Carbon East Off.